It was only one day when I'd moved into my own flat. I kind of thought things were getting a bit better, the debt collector's letters had stopped, that I found a bailiff outside my door. And it, thank God for those little chain things that, yeah. that go across the door, because he would have come in and he probably would have broken the door down. He said he'd be back. So I phoned my mum and I said, help, help, I don't know what to do. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm in £40,000 worth of debt and I've screwed up. And my mum said, thank God. And I said, why? She said, we thought you were a drug addict. (laughs) And on this episode, I'm blessed to be joined by the one and only Maddie Alexander-Grout. Maddie is the founder of the Mad About Money app. She's an ex-spending addict and a neurodiversity champion. Maddie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So one of the things that uh, I really felt my eyes were open to with your incredible journey was the link between ADHD and spending. Yep. Um, it made so much sense to me after I read it. I couldn't believe I never put the two together before. Tell us a bit about that journey. So I only actually got di- diagnosed last September. So I'm very, very new in my, my ADHD journey. But when I knew that I had it, it just made my entire life make sense. Um, I went to university with next to no knowledge of how to run my finances. My parents chucked me out into the big wide world and said, don't get into debt. And that's pretty much it. And when somebody tells me not to do something, I'm like, I just want to try that. It seems fun. (laughs) So I went to Freshers' Fair and I did what every student does. I go for the freebies and I ended up like with a bag full of vouchers and a bag full of pens and cups and all sorts. But I also ended up with a 60k credit line. And Wow, how did you do that? (laughs) Because I signed up for all these free pizza vouchers and they were like, have this loan, have this credit card. And responsible lending was not really a thing back then so I ended up with this free money channel in my mind I was like I can just spend this money it'll be great and being a student is hard people struggle being students even at the best of times even if they go with lots of money still struggle so I spent and I went out and I partied and the more I went out and partied the lower my dopamine was the more I wanted to spend. And this was like a massive vicious cycle for like three years. I'd go out, I'd get drunk, I'd feel like crap in the morning and I'd go and spend some money. And I'd buy like clothes and shoes and bags and like things that made me feel good. And then I'd feel guilty about it and the cycle continued. And then the debt collector's letters started coming. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I was tripping over my doormat when I was walking into the house because it was so high. And I just had all of these letters that I was just shoving under and like I was struggling with my housemates and, you know, relationships with ADHD is another thing that we should be talking about because I had no idea that I was pissing so many people off. But I really was. <laughs> so In what sort of ways? Just just being like an oversharer. Uh, I think I've always been an oversharer. One of the reasons why I don't fit very well in the corporate world is that people can't handle me. <laughs> I know the feeling. It's I know fun. the feeling. Yeah. So um, so I've always been a bit kind of out there. I don't like people trying to put me in a box. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like the micromanaging thing. Um, once I've got an idea in my head, I need to be creative. And I felt like the corporate world was kind of stifling me. But anyway, back to the debt story. So I was tripping over my, my envelopes as I was walking through the door. I was avoiding as much as I possibly could opening anything because when I opened it it would terrify the pants off me 
And it got to one day and I just thought, I can't do this anymore. What am I going to do? So I ran away. Wow. Yeah. I ran because I thought, I'll just move to another city. They won't know where I am. Forgetting about all these things like electoral rolls and, you know, credit searches and stuff like that. So moved in with my boyfriend's parents. The debt collectors started coming and the bailiffs started turning up and my boyfriend's parents went, you can't live here anymore because we don't want that shit on our record so just get out so I didn't have anywhere to live broke up with the boyfriend sofa surfed for about four months ended up sleeping on the floor in one of my workmates bedrooms which was really weird because he was like in his late 60s and I was in my like (laughs) mid-20s so it was just a bit strange I mean he was a lovely guy but I had to kind of start working out what I was going to do with my life so I got a job um working for British Gas in their call centre. So this is so you've finished uni, you're finished uni. You're, st- you're avoiding paying completely back debt flunked. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout uni and then you're like, okay, yeah. I need to figure this out. At that point when you're like, okay, now I need to sort things out, what does the debt look like? It was forty grand. Wow. So daunting. I still and, and also I still had probably twenty K left in my credit facility and nobody was stopping anything. And I was just spending and spending and spending and still in this cycle. And the more money I earned, the more I spent. Mm. And I just sort of tried to forget about the debts and I didn't do anything with them. It was only one day when I'd moved into my own flat. I kind of thought things were getting a bit better. The debt collector's letters had stopped that I found a bailiff outside my door. And it thank God for those little chain things that that go across the door because he would have come in and he probably would have broken the door down. He said he'd be back. So I phoned my mum and I said, help, help, I don't know what to do. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm in £40,000 worth of debt and I've screwed up. And my mum said, thank God. And I said, why? She said, we thought you were a drug addict. (laughs) So, I I mean, from from a parent's perspective, I guess spending addiction is probably less bad than drug addiction. Yeah, I guess so. Um, But it's still an addiction and it's still something that I really needed to work on. So my mum said she'd help me out. So I thought, phew, this is great. I'll go home. She'll she'll bail me out. It's all fine. And when I got home, my mum said, I've booked you an appointment with Citizens Advice. And I said, are you not going to help me? She said, I can't afford to pay you 40 grand. Yeah, it's rare to have 40 grand lying around. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So she said, no, go and sort your life out. So I cried a lot, went to see Citizens Advice and they said, you need to go bankrupt. And I said, why? And they said, because you can't pay that much money off. And I said, watch me. Because if somebody tells me to do something, I do completely the opposite. So I thought, screw these guys. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to make my own path. So I sat down. I made a budget. I'd never made a budget before in my entire life. I basically just asked friends and family to help me to put it together I phoned up all my creditors, gave myself a bit of breathing space, went and found a job in recruitment because I thought, you know what, I'm a good salesperson. I'm going to kick ass at this. So Mm. I went and found a good job and I started to pay it off. And I in my head, I thought, right, I need to do this in under six years okay, to make it worthwhile. And how did you feel when you're, you know, even because for me, like even thinking about like, wow, six years of of, that must have been really rough. 
it was hard. Yeah. I had to change my life and I had to change my spending habits. Right, going from this like high living right. lifestyle, spending whatever you want, uh, I'm going to be paying this back for six years. That must be brutal, especially yeah. from like a dopamine perspective and ADHD side. It was really tough. So it turned out I was actually really bloody good at recruitment. So I started getting like really big chunks of commission mm-hmm. really quickly. And that was th- that was where I was getting my dopamine from. I was still drinking, but more in moderation. I was trying to kind of do things like at home and invite people around to my house. And I kind of worked out that actually if people came to my house, they'd usually bring booze. Okay. And quite often it would get left in my fridge. So I was like winning. I'm getting all this free booze. So I was still so you kind became of, the host. Yeah, I was the hostess with the mostess. And like I had this roof terrace outside my flat, which was lovely. So we just used to sit out in the sun drinking cocktails. It was was a good life. Um, But I changed all of my spending habits. I went to the supermarket and I did yellow sticker shopping Mm -hmm. seven days a week. So I would buy my food for the day on the day. And if they had offers on things like meat, I'd chuck them in the freezer. I'd save them for later. I had a list of about 100 different meals that I could make with scraps. Mm. I'm not talking about like scraps I find on the road. I'm just talking about like mishmash things that you can throw together. So I started to get really good at, you know, being thrifty. I would buy all of my stuff from charity shops. And um, when I was kitting out my house with furniture, I'd go to like the kind of like antique type shops and just haggle. I haggled Mm. for everything. And I changed my life around by never paying full price. So I still have that. And is that is that the the, the just total MO yeah. right now is never pay full price? Never pay full price for anything. Interesting. If you can't get a discount on something, see if you can haggle, negotiate. The only time where I don't have that um, mindset is when it comes to small businesses because I feel like everybody should be charging their worth. And... Unless they've gone out and raised millions of pounds and they've got a little bit of money in the bank to play with, we need to be respectful of each other. Yeah. That's the only time. Everything else, I'm like, nope. And being an influencer, yeah, I know. It's one of those horrible words that everyone frowns upon. But that shouldn't be. I get a lot of free stuff, which is yeah. quite nice. <laughs> so. That's great. Okay, amazing. So, uh, so I mean, so much interesting stuff in that. Um, the addiction part. Yeah. My, I mean... I think addiction is a really, really interesting thing. I think it goes hand in hand with ADHD. And yep. I also believe that if you have addiction, you can never remove addiction. You just need to point it in the right places. You need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, you know, what did that journey look like? Obviously, you're getting the dopamine from recruitment and that's uh, serving that. Um, and then I, I know I'm going to be entrepreneurial. I know that that hunt for building a business is going to satisfy dopamine. How did you arrive at it? Well, I I never really saw myself being a business owner. My dad was a business owner and he was bloody awful at it. Dad, I'm sorry for listening. Um, He was terrible. He couldn't do marketing. I've always had a real flair for marketing and I've always thought that I'd like to do it. When I had my son, I came back to work and they basically said to me, you can't do your job anymore because it was recruitment. They needed me to be in five days a week. I didn't want to be in five days a week. I only wanted to do three, maybe four maximum. So they gave me this job. They kind of made it up for me. It was like change management manager. Change management manager. Yeah, it was a a mouthful. I was like, what do I do in this job? And they were like, right, well, you have to be in charge of employee experience. You have to be in charge of onboarding and the training. And um, we've got this new client. We're going to work with Cisco, the people who invented the router. And they were like, we need you to completely transform all of their in-house training and move it online 
I was like, right, how do I do that? They were like, uh, we don't have time to train you. Go and sort it out. Yeah. So I learned how to be an e-learning professional. I learned how to communicate with the team because I really had to. Communication was really key. And I was managing an entire workforce, like 40-odd people. I was in charge of any time they changed anything. And they changed their minds a lot. So I was constantly flitting, which I think made me really resilient. Mm. And I ended up winning an award for that job. And then six weeks after, they were like, we've lost the contract. You're getting made redundant. Oh, no, so you've done all that learning. All you've that learning. You've got yourself in that position and it's gone. During that time, I'd set up a parenting forum to help parents with their mental health because I'd had a really tough time. I had postpartum psychosis after my son was born. Wow. Which is... What does that mean? Because there'll be a lot of people who don't know that term. It is the worst mental health condition you can ever have as a new parent. Wow. Um, I didn't want to be around myself. I didn't want my son to be around. Um, there was an attempt on both of our lives. It wow. was really hard. Um, he's eight now, and I don't want him to be around for other reasons because he's irritating as hell. Um, and if yeah, but that's another story. Yeah. Um, but it was it was tough. So I set up this forum, and everybody kept saying to me, "Maddie, we love the way that you save money. You need to help us." So I set up a business, but it was a side hustle. It was a discount card that helped parents to shop local. Nice. Love that. Love it. I love the high street. I could see it declining. And I just thought, there's a need here. I can solve a problem and I can help Southampton-based businesses. I can help them to grow. And it just kind of happened. Like, I was away camping at a festival. and I had, festival? Uh, it, was, it was called Love Summer okay. in Devon. Yeah. It's like a really kind of weird small festival but the guys behind us they were having a good party and they did not sleep so therefore we didn't sleep and I just had this brainwave so I started writing down businesses that I was going to contact to ask for discounts and I came back and I just started and I never knew where it was going to go but it when I kind of found out I was being made redundant I said to my husband this was the first big risk that I took I said to him I want to do this I think I can really make a difference and can you give me three months? And if I don't make enough money to sustain myself and pay my half of the, the mortgage and the, the bills and stuff, then I'll stop. And he was like, mm, you shouldn't run a business. I'd already run one. I set up a recruitment agency before that. Lasted okay. six months, but I hated it. Because all I thought was, I'm going to be amazing at this because I'm amazing at recruitment. Mm, but all of my skill set, right? All of my big clients were like, we can't work with you because you're really small and you work in like your bedroom. We can't do that. Um, so I so I didn't have any clients and I also didn't like the admin side. Uh, it was too much organisation, too much motivation. I just wanted to be in the pub, didn't want to do it. So that failed. So that was, fir- that was business failure number one. And this one just seemed different. I was really passionate about the problem I was trying to solve. So I thought, I'm just going to go and do it. A year later, it was going so well okay I hadn't gone back to work I was making like three four grand a month Amazing. it was doing all right you know I was making more <laughs> than I was making in my corporate job so I thought I'll, I'll keep it I started to get ideas about going national and my idea was that I would franchise and okay. get local people running discount cards all over the country mm-hmm. I made it happen and it was going really well. I had 22 franchisees. Wow. The business was making really good money. It was doing well. And then COVID came. Ugh. So that was, it was just on Ascension. Yeah. You've got it rolled I out. Was 20, 22, you said. 22 franchise. franchisees. Wow. Um, 
And, and was that across the, the It was country across or? the country. There were like pretty much all the major cities wow. had it. And we were growing. We had something like 4,000 partners on the site who were all offering discount. We also had some like national stuff and and it was go it was growing and mm. I was so proud of what I did what I'd achieved and then as you COVID, should be right it then, doesn't change anything no no and then COVID came and we couldn't sell yeah. because we didn't have a product that worked it was a discount card that you had to use by leaving the house mm. so it was like problematic a l- tiny bit yeah yeah so it was like <laughs> at that point my mental health was like <laughs> on the floor and I mean how. I mean, how do you take that news at the time? Obviously, COVID's you know a long time ago now. Um, although it might not feel like it. No. How quickly do you know this is over? I did not. Okay. So I am stubborn, and my my kind of my kind of view on it was it's not over till the fat lady sings, and I was not singing. <laughs> so I was just like, nope, I am going hell for leather with this. So I hatched a plan. First plan was I did a rewards-based crowdfund, mm-hmm. raised nine grand, which kept us afloat for a good six months. Wow. Yeah. I was it's really... It's a great thing about having a really thrifty founder. <laughs> right? So I was really lean and I was really trying to save money where I could, but it was hard. The franchisees at this point, their mental health was also making mine worse. Mm. And I made the really, really difficult decision to unfranchise go back to my roots of just being a local-based discount card, I refunded all of their money. Wow. Because... That's so good of you to do that. Well, I mean, in hindsight, all of their contracts said I didn't have to, but we were in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm not a horrible person, and I was like, I can't do this to people who I've grown to love. So I gave them their money back. That was the first kind of nail. I think there were probably four nails in our coffin. That was the first one. So Mm. I ended up broke again. So I did what I could, started selling again. I found other ways to make money. So I started charging people for advertising. I started doing networking events and started doing kind of business coaching and stuff because I'd learned a lot in my journey. Mm. And I felt like there were a lot of people who I was further ahead than. So I was helping them. And how are you finding uh, people at that time? So it was all online. Everything was online. So I, I moved I moved the business online. I then got contacted by some investors who said, you know, we really like what you're doing. And I said, but our product doesn't really work right now. And they said, well, just bring it, make it digital. If, it, if it's digital and you can buy stuff online, then it will work. And I said, well, I need money for that. Mm. And... Having been thrifty and not really had enough money throughout my entire journey in my life, I thought that, you know, 25, 30 grand would be enough to do that. I gave away way too much of my business. Oh, okay. Way too much, which also was one of the things that I learned from the business because when it came to liquidation stage, it made things incredibly difficult. Mm, this is why it's so important to tell these stories so fans Absolutely. can hear this and, and yeah. you know, get wise words. Yeah. Um, so we had a bit of investment. I decided to do a crowd cube raise. Um, we wanted to make 180K. We raised 86, which was our target because our target was 70. But in my mind, that was a failure because I hadn't got where I wanted to be. We got really let down by an investor. Um, Again, massive lesson to founders who are listening to this, do your due diligence because I didn't. And my ADHD brain was just like, yay, dopamine, money. He's going to give us some cash. This is great. I can grow my business. This is amazing. 
didn't check him out. Mm. And if I'd have asked other founders that he'd have he'd invested in, I would have heard the story that would have made me not want to Im- get him on board. Can I ask what sort of thing we're talking about? Is just just um, hard to manage, hard to deal no, with? No, no, it was worse than that. Sadly, oh. he kind of groomed us. Wow. To feedback all of our information to one of our competitors who we then invested in. So up until day one of our Crowdcube raise, he was going to put in 50K. And then on day one, he ghosted us. And I thought that was my fault. I thought, what have I done that is so bad that has made this guy who's been so interested in us for the last six months disappear? That's awful. And we'd already spent the money. So we'd already spent the money on doing the app, doing the tech, and the Crowdcube raise was going to be the money that was going to pay that money off, and then we were going to go forward with the new product. But sadly, we never recovered. And I pushed and pushed, and I pushed till I was so ill. Mm. I had a kidney infection that wouldn't go away. I ended up in hospital with a suspected heart attack. I really pushed to save that business, and I did everything that I could. But I ended up walking away from that business in £40,000 of debt again. Wow. Yeah. So that was me, like, you know, debt-free, 100% happy. You know, I was doing the right thing. I'd spent five years paying off my original 40 grand, and now I was back at square one, 10 years down the line. And all I had in my mind was, I am such a failure. I have messed this up so badly. And then my mother-in-law passed away. Um, just before Christmas and I was working for the guy who bought the assets of my last business Mm -hmm. because I was doing a handover and I he'd asked me to be chief marketing officer and I said yes I'd love to do that because I'm still really passionate about the business I still think it can work but I know it needs a lot of cash after Christmas he said to me Maddie you're doing such a good job we want you to be CEO and I said I'm leaving bye Because there was no way that I was going to be CEO of the company that I'd been working on for the last four years and watch someone else take my money. Yeah. So I left. Which was a really brave thing to do, but 100% from a mental health perspective. Yeah, but you know what? It's exactly that. (laughs) You'd be five years down the line, you'd be be like, why did I do this? Right, I should have been building my own thing. Right. So it was super risky. I knew that there were things that I'd done wrong in that business. I knew that I'd spent money on the wrong things. Weirdly, spending addiction does actually come into business as well. So I've had to be incredibly careful with what I spend my money on. Mm -hmm. But now, if anything, I feel like I've reached a level where I am spending and I'm saving and I'm growing. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing you've got to realise. You can't just go and spend investors' money and not have a plan. And I didn't have a plan last time. Now my plan is like rock solid. I know what the end goal is and I didn't know what that was with my last business. So I feel like it's been a massive learning curve. But I spent three weeks in bed, literally three weeks in bed, feeling sorry for myself, thinking, how did I get here from having a successful business, from everybody knowing who I am, helping so many people right to the end? So it was when my mother-in-law passed away that I just suddenly had this brainwave of like I'm grieving for a business not a person and now I have a person to grieve for I kind of almost transferred my grief and it was really interesting to kind of notice how I felt I suddenly had this like new lease of life so I wrote down all of the things that I was good at and I started with my TikTok because I 
started this TikTok with short, sharp money-saving tips about a year and a half ago, and it was growing really nicely. So I thought, if I could use my TikTok to help people, then I want to do that. And then I wrote down all of the things that I'm good at. And all of a sudden, this problem just came to me. I was on social media one day, and all of these ads were just popping up on Facebook. And it suddenly occurred to me that I can never escape spending addiction because it's always in my face. And social media is so negative for mental health. And I'd, I'd taken a break from it and I'd realised that actually taking a break from social media saved me a load of money. Mm, that's interesting. I bet a lot of people identify with that. Right. And there is a massive problem out there. And I thought, I need to solve this problem. So I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch a social media platform. It's fucking big and it's fucking scary, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to launch a social media platform that helps people. Social media for good. So something that helps to educate people, inspire people, that has a sense of community because we've become really selfish. Yes. I love that you've started with a purpose of helping other people. Yeah. I genuinely think uh, the way I see things at the moment is technology is driving humanity in two different directions. Right. One is about disconnection, uh, selfishness, just being totally um, unaware of the physical world of other people around you. But the other one is we have the opportunities to use technology for really, really positive ends. Um, but I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, almost a real race forming between the two sides. I think I'm going to win. Yeah, I love that. I, I, ho really I hope you do. Thank you. I'm sure I've, you will. I feel like I've never had so much purpose in all of my life. It's, you know, we've got communities within the app for neurodiverse, for money saving, for saving for the future, for entrepreneurship. All of the things that I'm really passionate about mm. and all of the things that actually a lot of people are passionate about. Mm. And we're giving back to this we're giving back to the community we're helping with cost of living we're helping people with money saving tips and how to grow with discounts and vouchers and whenever anybody comes into our app it's all about that positive experience yes so i finally feel like i found my purpose but i needed to go through all of that shit to get to where i am so I don't feel like a failure anymore. No. In fact, I feel more successful than I ever have done in the past. That's amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that incredible story. Absolute roller coaster that I've, I've got on with you on this. Um, and I can only imagine that feeling 10 years later, being back at 40K debt. Feeling it's not there anymore. So, yeah. yeah so I, I think No, of course. No, I mean, but at that moment, like, yeah. just like coming full circle. But, um, you know, knowing that you've done this before, mm. you can get yourself out of it. You get yourself out of there again. And, that, and that's the weird thing. So I've never felt more alone when I was in my first 40K. Mm -hmm. And this time around, I've never felt more loved and more accepted and less scared of talking about it. This is the thing. And this is what Mad About Money is all about. It's all about talking positively about finances, regardless of where you are, because you have to know where you are to be able to build upon that. Mm. And yes, £40,000 worth of debt, a lot of money, really not what I needed at this stage of my life sure. and it felt pretty horrible at the time but I'm already like nearly 20 grand into paying that off wow and I've worked and worked to get that to where it needs to be and I've negotiated I feel comfortable with it and actually it's not stressing me out because I know it's there mm -hmm. I know what I'm doing to clear it and I'm also working towards a brighter future which yes. helps 
Well, I think it's, um, for me anyway, I, I always suffered with anxiety massively. I have it much less these days. I used to take um, meds for it, mm. came off them, but I, I'm finding my anxiety is a lot better these days. But really the best way to deal with that anxiety for me is build a plan. Right. Right, to be proactive about it. It's when you leave it there. I've had so many unopened envelopes in my life sitting there when I was younger, right? And it's it's that. It's just, um, but people are scared to do it and they don't know how. And they feel so daunted as the number gets bigger and bigger. They get less able to feel like, well, they feel like they're less able to deal with it. So I think it's so amazing that you're empowering people to take back control of their lives in that way. Thank you. Um, It was weird, actually. It all kind of came about, like, after me writing down all the things I was good at. I I was like, right, I need a logo. I need a name. And Mad About Money was a given because money makes me mad. Mm -hmm. Crazy, crazy mad. ADHD, crazy mad. Mad, short for Maddie. Um, mad, as in obsessed. I thought, you know, it's got to be called that. Perfect. Um, I wavered on it for a while because I was like, is it a bit sort of narcissistic and kind of self-loving? And then I thought, no, it has a purpose. That I'm sticking with it. And um, it's, it's, it makes total sense as it well. Does. Like it's, it's, everyone gets it, but yeah. also it's got the nice double meaning. Yeah, exactly. And I came up with this logo, which was rainbow. And the reason why it's rainbow to start with is because I couldn't decide on a colour. Mm. ADHD brain, I was like, I can't think of what colour this needs to be. I'm going to have all of them. So I did. But then actually now, we have seven areas of people's lives that we help them with. And actually, we have seven products. <laughs> so wow. it actually, everything comes from the number seven. We're about to launch a business club. It's going to be £7 a month. Um, it's all about the number seven and that's my birthday's on the seventh weird everything's connected it is and this is another thing i'm quite spiritual yeah no, so me too. so i everything happens for a reason i genuinely believe that every single thing that i do has a purpose and has a meaning and it's taken me one step closer to success mm. so everything has that's happened so far with the app is meant to be I took a massive risk last week. Um, I know that you know Simon Squibb. I yeah, went. Yeah, um, yeah. I went and did his doorbell thing last week. Oh, nice! How did it go? Um, good. Yeah, we'll watch this space. I still yeah? haven't seen anything, okay. but um, yeah, it's coming. I know it's coming. Well, it was really interesting when you were talking about the stuff that you're doing. It reminded me immediately of of, of Simon. Oh, there's um, definitely a collaboration on the cast. <laughs> yeah, no, there should be, and, yeah. and, and you know, because it, it's all about that purpose. And I think it's interesting that you said this, the the fact that you're spiritual because. That's what I see every time is once you realize it's actually about how you can help others, that's the only way. Yeah. It's the only way to do things. It's the only way to get energy into something. It's the only way to get um, the universe working in your favor is to actually have a really good purpose in that way. And and that's that's what I do. It's passion, profit, purpose. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, so many people have said to me, oh, why don't you be a CIC? And I'm like, because I don't really want to be a CIC. I'm really ambitious and I've got so many good plans. I want to be the better Facebook. Yeah. And that's, I'm not going to stop until that happens. Amazing. Um, and, and how do you find, because I think it's also a, a massive risk and really brave decision to say, well, I'm still working my way through debt, but I'm being, you know, founder, which, you know, classically at the start is not necessarily the best way to pay off debt, right? No. <laughs> so how, how does, how, you know, because I think that's a really tough choice to make. Yeah. Um, ever been moments where you're like, oh, I could just go back to recruitment for like six months and. I mean, that would never happen. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. A job, yes, potentially. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, I still have job apps on my phone because mm. sometimes it's really tempting. Yeah. But every time I get closer to thinking I'm running out of money, which, you know, does happen, 
Um, we, we, we've mainly bootstrapped, mm-hmm. so we've only had 20K of investment so far. Wow. So to do what we've done, I've, I've kept it lean. So instead of going and spending investors' money on tech, which is going to cost us thousands and thousands, I white-labeled. So I thought, do you know what? To test this concept, I am going to keep it as lean as possible, get people involved, see if people like it. Once we've proven the concept, that's when I'll go and get more investment and go and scale the tech. We're at that point already. So we've got 3,000 users, we've got really great reviews, people are loving it. And I know that this is what is meant to happen. So now I'm like, yeah. I don't want to go back to work, so yeah. I need to get that next step. So we're, you know, we've just sorted our SEIS out, so we're kind of on that journey now. Yeah, amazing. And I think obviously what you do have um, is an amazing community of people yes. who are already there, and ultimately that is worth so much because otherwise you're spending a couple hundred grand on trying to reach that many people. Yes, and because I've learned so many marketing skills and I've learned that I've actually learned from Simon in this way that, you know, if you give back to community, people will follow you and they will do what you ask them to do. (laughs) So I give away food vouchers on my TikTok, which actually means that I don't have to pay for any marketing spend. So I get users without any marketing spend. Mm -hmm. And that's like the sort of thing that investors love to hear. Right. So I'm like, I feel like I'm being clever. That's great. Um, I, Without any marketing spend, getting 3,000 users, I feel like, God, could you imagine what we could do with some marketing spend? Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's absolutely. Exciting. Absolutely. Okay, I've got five questions that I ask yeah. everyone. Single biggest risk you ever you ever took? I can't even say my own questions. You've ever taken, and what was the outcome? So it's got to be this app. It's got to be walking out of that job where I was being paid quite a nice sum of money to run a business that I knew. Mm. Um, it was a really big risk going and, deciding to set up a social media platform i mean who does that with the likes of facebook linkedin twitter like even threads you know i got such big imposter syndrome when threads came out because everyone was like oh look at threads oh look at this and then yesterday i was like people don't come on to mad about money and ask is anyone still here so i think i I feel like that's a win (laughs) love that yeah i think it's got to be this app yeah amazing okay cool my next one for you is what are you proudest of so I, oh, that's, re- that's a really difficult question. But I think getting back on the horse again after a failed business, because I was at rock bottom. I didn't think I had it in me. And I didn't know I had ADHD at the time. And I think if I had known, then I probably would have just said to myself, right, you're not going into employment again. You are now an entrepreneur. This is what you're meant to do. Even if this business isn't what you're meant to do, you are still meant to be an entrepreneur. So I think it took a lot of guts to get back on the horse, especially after all the stuff I went through, like didn't have a good time with investors. It was down to my decisions that I made and the lack of due diligence and not choosing the right people. But I made some mistakes there. And I think realising that I'm not a failure and actually failure is the thing that leads to success yes. um, was a big moment and getting back on the horse. So, yeah. Amazing. And it's um, I, I think it really is incredible. And it's the thing which, you know, entrepreneurs uh, pretend they're not scared of failure. But of course, we're all scared of it. Right. We're all terrified of it. But the reality is it's part of that process. It is. Right. And 
Yeah, and, I, and I'm not a complete failure. You know, I, I have had two failed businesses, but actually to get some money together to pay for this app, I actually had another business that I sold. Amazing. So I am technically an exited founder. Don't Great. ask me how much I sold it for. <laughs> but it was enough. It was enough to get me on to the next step. And one of the things that I realised as well with my ADHD brain is I had I was running two businesses simultaneously and that was never going to work. Mm. You can't have a plan B because plan A won't work if you've got a backup. So I got rid of all my backups. Yes. And I was just like, I am whole hog on this and I'm going for it. Like I still do money coaching. Mm-hmm. I still do like one-to-one work on the side, but it's all to pay for this. Mm. No, I, I think that's t- totally right. And it's funny, you know, different people have got different approaches, but it might be an ADHD thing. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm the same. It's got to be all in. I've yeah. got to feel the fire at my feet and be like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And just go get that hyper focus really going on that side. Um, so when did you actually get the ADHD diagnosis? Last September. Did Last you say? September, yeah. Wow. Okay. Just light bulb moment. It was actually I was I was investigating it for my son because my son's teacher told me that he was doing handstands in class when he was supposed to be watching something. Sounds about right. And I said, oh, that sounds really familiar. And actually, like he doesn't sit still. And then I went fell down the TikTok rabbit hole of of looking at ADHD stuff and then I was like that's me that's me oh my god that's me um and it made my life make sense and I am so so glad that I've got a diagnosis and actually you know I don't want to be one of those people who says you know oh it's a superpower because there are really shitty days and there are days where Mm. I feel like my brain is literally trying to eat me from the inside out but it's also something that knowledge is power right so when you know you know and you can just step up and and it's it's made me a more passionate entrepreneur mm. and it's also made me so much more aware of stuff like burnout yes so i can feel when i'm getting there and then i'm like right i'm taking a day off i need to look after my mental health i need to step back and it's just a game changer when you know love that okay my next one for you is is there anything you wish you did differently Reading terms and conditions. Okay. So like there's a story here. Well, yeah. I mean, so when I told my investors that I wanted to liquidate the business, they mm-hmm. didn't want me to, obviously. And they said, you need to push. And I said, what do you think I've been doing for the last year? And they said, no, 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 you need to step outside the box. You need to go get loans, go get credit cards, do whatever it takes. So I did. And if I'd have read the terms and conditions that said, you will be personally liable for this if this business fails, I wouldn't have done it because I knew in my heart of hearts that business wasn't going anywhere. Mm. So that was a big learning curve. And I think I wish that I had been stronger. But after COVID, after being kind of in the situation with the first investor, I mentally, I, my resilience was low. Mm. So I think there were a lot of things I could have done differently with that business, but it's given me the power to know that I'm on the right track this time. Yeah. And, and I think um, it sounds like you've had a real crash course in terrible investors, <laughs> people who do not treat their founders properly. And yeah. and look, if, you know, if, if all um, energy is, is you know, going to match itself, then you're going to have great investors along the way. Do you know what? I feel comfortable now that I... So with my current... So I've got two investors now. They're both angels. Mm-hmm. And I was very frank with them from the word go. I was completely honest about what happened with my last business because I thought, do you know what? People talk. There's going to be, people yeah. will say stuff. Um, so I thought, my journey, my all cards on the table. And they said, Maddie, we don't care about that because we want to invest in you, not your failed business. 
and not the things that you did wrong because we know that you've learned from those things. Mm. Um, and I said to them, look, you know, how would you feel if in two years' time this business goes under? And they both said to me, we will understand because investing is a risk. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, come on board, guys. Yeah, You're the people yeah, yeah. who I really should have done before. Like, And I did all my due diligence and I did it through Seed Legals this time. So it's all like above board and I've got advice on it and mm. things that I didn't do last time. It was yeah. kind of like scribbled on the back of a stamp last time yeah. and it didn't protect me. Well, well, this is why from like an investor perspective, um, it's why people like second time founders. Right. Because we all make <laughs> we all make these mistakes. Every yeah. single one of us. Do you know why? Because founders don't listen, right? Because we know everything. Um, so we all make, even though there's, it's, there's so much info out there, um, but we need to experience for ourselves, right? Yes. So, yeah, this is why people like second time founders, but that's why, um, you know, that's why we go through these things. Uh, if, if you have any good outcome on the first one, it's a bonus. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were definitely good outcomes. Like, I learned a lot of skills. Um, exactly. I built a network, and lots of that network are still really loyal to me. Um, some of them aren't, but, you know, I think you win some, you lose some. Sure. It's still, like, because of the crowd queue, people lost, you know, we had 300 investors. They all lost their money, which was horrible and i and, and that taking that as an adhd person like we haven't even touched on rejection sensitivity dysphoria but that is hard you know having to tell those people that i lost their money was one of the worst things but most i would say probably nine out of ten people understood and they got it and they also knew that i had busted a gut to do everything to save it that i could do and it was circumstantial and it took me a while to realize that every single thing with the failure of that business was circumstantial it wasn't me being shit mm, yeah well <laughs> this is it your business is going well pandemic comes in right it's pretty much as out of your hands mm. as it can be um out of interest how do you tell them like uh, what was the f did you speak um, to people individually so or? Pe people who had invested more money than others so like anybody who'd put in like more than a grand i you know i either rang them or i messaged them to say look this has happened i'm really sorry i don't want you to hear from me sending a generic crowd cube email um so but the people who lost a little bit you know i i had already announced it on facebook that mm -hmm. you know sadly we were no more and it it wasn't going to happen um the amount of people who told me i was brave it was so emotional you know i was expecting people to come after me with pitchforks and everybody was really understanding mm. and i think that's because i'd communicated and you're being and authentic i and people know that i think again an adhd thing i'm an open book mm. there is literally nothing that people don't know about me i mean obviously i don't go out on facebook or linkedin and talk about my sex life it's very non-existent <laughs> but like <laughs> it's just the fact that like any pretty much anything i will tell people and but i don't just tell people about the ups mm. i tell people about the downs and i think more people should be open and more people would go into entrepreneurship i think if people knew that there was a bit of rough with the smooth. It's not all hearts and flowers like a lot of people make it out to be. Yeah. You know, you don't just go, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to make six figures like tomorrow. Mm. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. So. And it's, it's really interesting. I think one of the problem with like algorithm based platforms <laughs> in this way is <laughs> even if people do share a lot of the downs, you might just still see only good in your feed. You right? might do. And this. It's interesting. Yeah. This is another reason why what we've done with Mad About Money is good because algorithms are there to screw us up, right? Yeah. Um, that you 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 have to post on LinkedIn at certain times of day, otherwise you get no you get no engagement. Sure. Everything pulls you back in. TikTok, you start 
it shows you all the people that all the things that you want to see but you end up being sucked into a rabbit hole mm-hmm. um we've set up the algorithm with mad about money to be quite loose but also really tight sounds really weird so it doesn't matter what time you post it doesn't matter how often you come back so if you post once a month it's great it will still remember you when you come back there's nothing that downgrades you there's nothing like to say you know you have to as an entrepreneur post because i think that's one of the things that's really bad for mental health is the societal pressure of having to post all the time yeah and it's, and it's really interesting because i have been a social media user for you know, however long but i've never really uh, never looked at creating um i used to run a podcast long time ago which yeah. i loved and, and really enjoyed building on youtube but l- me posting on linkedin was the first time i really ever created for social media in the way that i saw yeah. it i feel like podcasting is a bit different than yeah. creating for social media but it's really interesting to see like oh this is where the mental health problems really kick in on social yeah. media it's actually when you start creating more there's the consumption side exactly but actually it gets turned up because the thing is when 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 you're consuming you're almost consuming passively when you start creating, you then start consuming actively because you're like, well, what are other people doing, right? And it, and it actually becomes so much more intense. It's a lot of pressure on people's brains, especially ADHD brains. Mm. And when we're going on social media because we're going on to promote our businesses, we don't want to be sold to. Yeah. So one of the things that was really important to me when creating a social media app is that, yes, of course, we need to have advertising because it's a way of monetizing. But... It's in a marketplace, so people can go and view everything when they want to, on their own terms. The feed has no advertising in it, and it never will. That's nice. That's really great. Okay, my next question for you is, what does it take to be successful? That's a really interesting question, because I, I mean, I don't think I'm quite there yet, but in the eyes of everybody else... There, you know, whenever I say I don't feel like I'm successful, everyone's like, but you're in the press all the time. You know, you're, a, you're an influencer. Like, you've got your own magazine column. You're, you know, you're on BBC Radio all the time. Like, and to a lot of people, that is success. But I guess it's kind of subject to the eye of the beholder, I guess. Mm. In my mind, success will only come when I have built something that I feel has made a difference in the world. That would be success to me. And also being able to sustain my family and never have to worry about money. Because I do still, you know, although I'm really good at managing it, I'm still worried about it. And there's still times where I think, I've only got one month's runway left and this is terrifying. And then something will happen because I've made it happen and Mm -hmm. it's fine. And I'm like, okay, great. I've got breathing space now. Um, So success for me, I think, you know, in some ways I am successful, but in other ways I've still got a lot to learn. It's uh, an amazing um, story you've got. Like, so, so interesting to see, hear all that and downs. And obviously, you've been so successful on, on so many of these things. Um, one of the really interesting things I, I think about the runway, the one month runway, is I can't remember who said this to me. It was some entrepreneur, and he said, "If you ever see the, you know, the lions hunting the, uh, what do lions hunt in the safari? Zebras? Zebras? Let's say zebras. Gazelles. Gazelles. Yeah, lion gazelles. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So if you see the lions hunting the gazelles." When the hunt's going on, obviously the gazelle is running as fast as possible. But as soon as the hunt is over, they soo- slow down. They slow down, and mm. and the gazelle can be a, a mo- like half, hundred meters away from the lion. Yeah. Once because once the hunt's over, and it's it's about having that relationship with runway with anxiety is once it's once you've got that little bit of distance, it's okay, it's safe. Like, I I get that. However, I would even if I was 
you know, no runway. And, mm-hmm. you know, I well, I mean, I've, I've been at that point where I've had the no runway and that's not a good place to be. Yeah. Um, I'm always constantly trying to raise more. But even if I had millions in the bank, I would still work at the same speed mm. because my brain dictates to me that that's the speed I work at. I'm like the Duracell bunny, which is why I have to know when I'm going to burn out. So I have to take steps back. But because I know that now, I can go whole hog mm. and I can go like three weeks, bang, 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 doing all these things. And then I take a step back and then I go again because I know where my threshold is. Yeah, so and important to know. I don't like sitting still. If you, somebody once said to me, if you sit, if you sit still, you'll get run over. Mm. So I always have that in my mind. I'm constantly going for the thing. You know, I'm very goal driven, very like target orientated. And I just go for the thing that I need to go for. Love that. OK, my last question for you is 15 year old Maddie walks in the room right now. What are you going to tell her? You've got ADHD and you really need to learn how to manage money. <laughs> However, however, I wouldn't change my journey because had you done that, you wouldn't be. I here, wouldn't right? be here. I wouldn't be here because I had to. Have, I had to have had all of those things that messed me up to be able to be here right now. Um, it would have been nice to know about the ADHD though, because it would explain a lot of things, and it would also mean my mental health was probably better throughout mm. my journey. Um, there have been times that have been some you know, really, really dark times. And now that I know, it just means that I'm almost prepared for those things. I've got myself an ADHD coach, which is oh, really right, good. Okay. Um, for anybody listening who's got ADHD, if you don't know about access to work, it's amazing. Um, I don't. It's a fund from the government that helps you with anything sort of disability related. Wow, okay. So I'm also dyslexic, so mm-hmm. dyslexia is um, hard. <laughs> Um, especially when you're a creator right so I mean being a social media creator I'm constantly getting told by the way there is like um, I mean the worst one I did once was you know imagine writing discount wrong Um, yeah there have been a lot of times where I've written things and thought "Ah, that could get me in a lot of trouble yeah wow (laughs) it's so true though it's so true on the dyslexia side and it's you've proofread it six times it's all fine but it's not pitch deck right let's i mean right let's talk about pitch deck from like a founder to a founder on like investor adhd is not investment friendly yeah i mean it it depends (laughs) how you run your process right yeah it depends how you run your process for me at the pre-seed stage adhd sorry adhd raising investment is all about energy right it's all about energy passion Mm. drive inspiration and i think actually at that part adhd is great when it starts getting into like the really technical elements of it doing a pitch deck I yes mean, exactly so, it's hard. so but it's funny i i stopped really using pitch decks and i think people are i think people are moving away from it i would hope so i've been campaigning really hard like i mean if it was video if i had to do a video pitch to someone smash it out yeah. of the park and but i think people prefer that now that's good i'm yeah. glad i'm glad that's moving yeah i think you still need to have um material there ready of course mm. you do but it shouldn't be hinged on that no that's the supporting documentation right it should be about that connection and that yeah. shared passion and mm. shared um you know drive for, for outcome whatever it is but yes it shouldn't it shouldn't start with a pitch deck no no, interesting. Yeah, One for another day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maddie, where can people find you? So um, you can download the Mad About Money app in the app stores. It's free to download. Um, all of my social medias are at Mad About Money Official or at Mad About Money app. Um, and yep, I'm LinkedIn Maddie Alexander-Grout. Maddie, you're a legend. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 
haven't subscribed, please hit subscribe below so that you can support the podcast and we can keep on bringing you amazing new guests. If you want to see the other amazing episodes in this podcast, click into our series section. As ever, if there are any other guests or topics you want us to explore, just let me know in the comments and we'll do our best to bring someone in.